guys, Matt Simmons here. Welcome back to another episode of Remind Podcast. I have an amazing guest today. Um, I'm really excited to have him on. And the reason I brought him on is because he's young, he's fresh, he's exciting, he's aggressive, which I love to see. I wish I was doing what he's doing at my age. Um, today, I have Gabe Bowling, um, who's an entrepreneur, real estate entrepreneur based out of Tampa, Florida. Prior to, to establishing his company, Go Bowling Capital, Gabe worked at a largely known infamous, I would say, firm, Cardone Capital, where he raised over $100 million of equity for institutional quality assets. Currently, he has $10 million in assets under management, uh, with his latest acquisition being a 55-unit, $8.2 million property in Daytona Beach, Florida. And I love Florida. Gabe, welcome to the show, my man. Man, thank you. Uh, thank you for hyping me up. Thank you for making <laughs> me uh, sound a lot better than I actually am, but more than happy to be here and um, help in any way possible. Thank you so, for having me. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure. So I wanted to, I really wanted to bring you on because I, you're, you're what, 25? 25, yeah. You're 25. And I freaking love the fact that you are 25 You and you are just, you are a hustler, man. You are you are a go-getter. And I remember when I was 25 and look, I was building my very first business when I was 25. I was getting ready to sell it uh, in 2006 when I turned 26 is when I first sold it. But I, my mind at that point, I was not in the real estate at all. Um, <laughs> and surely wasn't thinking about, you know, buying $8 million properties. You know, I surely hadn't raised $100 million properties. So I want you to start this off, kind of give me your background. How did you start? How did you get in with Grant Cardone? We all yeah. know, I mean, if you don't know Grant and you're listening to this show, yeah. then <laughs> you're in the wrong place, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, how did you start there? How did you get to the point where you decide you were want to go off on your own? And talk me through that very first raise or deal that you did when you started your company. Yeah, well, it's not a really long story considering I'm only 25. Right. I really I got started in um I think when I was 19 going to 20. Okay. Uh, middle class family, military family growing up. It's go to go to school, get good grades, very disciplined, very structured uh childhood until I got to college. I found out I wasn't a good enough baseball player. Uh, I could have walked on, played JUCO, and um, that was it. I thought I was a D1, but I wasn't. I was certainly not D1. Yeah. And life kind of hit me. I was like, okay, well, I got to grow up. I got to make money. I got to like be, be, you know, real, be in real life and right. no longer just the middle class. Um, college wasn't for me. I went to college. I got my first taste of freedom. I almost failed out because I was like, again, I was just go to go to school, good, uh, good, good grades and you're cool. Yeah. And then I get my first taste of freedom, my first taste of like, okay, I'm in control of it. And yeah. I completely fail. Like I don't go to class. I just want to go to the gym, um, smoke a bunch of weed. Like it was, just, <laughs> like it was, it was, it was cool because it was really different. But then I was like, okay, well, this is going down. Like on a graph, it's trending downwards, which right. I don't like that on a graph. And so I, I finally am like, all right, I realized that I need to grow up. I don't like the college route. I don't think the, the you know, the 40-year degree is for me. So yep. I go to Google, what industry can I get into without a college degree and make the most money? <laughs> what do you know? Real estate. I love it. Oh, yeah, right? Go figure. It can be that simple. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's go into real estate. Let's just start testing stuff. Because I know right. if I don't do anything, I'm not going to do, like, I'm not going to change anything. So I'm like, right. I need to test stuff. Yep. I get my real estate license. I failed the exam three times. I passed on the fourth time. And then I'm like, okay, well, Not I got well. the license, but <laughs> no money just no money just randomly shows up. And I'm right. like, all right, now I have to produce. And so 
I'm like, what do you do after you get a real estate license? You hang it with a brokerage and how do you produce money? You get listings. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, how do I get a position working at a brokerage? I pick up the phone. I cold call every brokerage in the area, residential and uh, commercial. My pitch is is as simple as this. I don't know anything about real estate. I just got my license, but I can work for free. And yeah. I will do literally anything and everything just to show up and be around the right people. Because that was my biggest thing. I was living with my parents at the time. Yeah. I knew that, you know, assessing my assets versus liabilities, I had time. I could right. work for free. And so I used that as my advantage yep. into the door. I ended up working at Marcus and Millichap, yeah. a commercial real estate firm, won the 20 million bucks. Very, very, very popular for uh, a lot of newer people to the business because it's smaller transactions. So right. I worked there as a sales intern position, basically $0 an hour, you show up, you do all the monotonous, scrutinous, terrible work, you're you're underwriting every, you're underwriting the analysts' uh, deals. It like, you're just doing all the work nobody ever wants to do. Yeah, it's the shit shit work, let's be honest. Yeah, you you have to do that. And so I was like, man, I am willing to do anything, just teach me how. You want me to underwrite your deal? Teach me how, I'm gonna suck at the beginning, but I'm going to put it in enough reps where over time I'll get good and I can solve this headache for you. Yep. And I was like, okay, trade my time for this skill set. And then I worked there for 11 months um, completely for free, didn't make a dime. And yep. at the time, I was uh, now my wife dating my girlfriend for that period of time. She sent me an Instagram post, a story, because at the time I didn't really follow or even like Grant because I thought he was too obsessive, too, too out there. Uh-huh. And, yep. uh, she sent me this job story posting. I kind of took it as a message of like, Hey, I really like that you're in real estate, but you really need to make money for us to grow up and like move out and you know, start <laughs> our life together. Right. So I took it as a hint. And um, I was like, man, I didn't really know him, but I knew he was a re- really big real estate guy. I knew he was really big and I knew I could probably learn a lot from him and get paid at the same time. Yeah, I went down there. I interviewed. I got the, um, I got the application. I submitted it. Cold called him like four or five times to follow up just to be different. Yep. I like in that instance, I wanted to be different outside of the person that goes on to Indeed and just presses submit. Right. And so I wanted to get their attention. I did that. I got the job offer on the way home from the interview. Immediately, my wife and I looked at each other. All right, we're, we're like, this is what we're doing. We're stopping it. We're moving down. We moved down to Miami the following week. Where and, were you before that? You were in Tampa? Tampa. Okay. Yeah, so you, so okay. I, I graduated high school at Niceville High School in the uh, the Panhandle. Yep. I went to University of West Florida for two semesters, almost failed out. Yeah. And then my father being in the military, he went down to Tampa for a position. And I was like, okay, that's right. a new opportunity for me. Let's go down there. Yep. And then just every single day for almost a year, first one in, last one out, doing yep. all the terrible work that uh, that paid off eventually. Right. I used that experience. It was just enough experience mixed with just enough of you know luck and timing with Grant needing to fill fill uh, chairs and have people on the phones. Yep. And so it was just a mix of that. I took the opportunity, and from there, that was like that was the really big momentum changer for where I'm at today because I got the true exposure right. to private equity real estate. And that's what like I just became obsessed from there for three years, raised a hundred million bucks. And then um, at the beginning of the new year, 2022, like in, in finance, everybody's like, okay, well, you're going to get a big bonus at the end of the year. And so right. once you ha- once you have that, you're kind of like reassessing, 
where do I want to be, you know, a year from now? Do I want to stay here and, you know, go all the way in, get a big bonus at the end of the year? Or, right. do you know, new year, new, new, new year, new me, right? <laughs> I, I take some time. I sit down with my wife. This is probably a three month long decision where we're like, okay, you're young, you're 24. You have a really golden opportunity because you're, I was in early enough with Grant where I wasn't just another employee. Like I was of value. I was, you know, a, a top producer. Right. And so I was good if I stayed there. So we had to really, we had to make a tough decision. Of sure. like, you want to give up this golden opportunity and try to go out and do something on your own? Or do you just want to commit and go all the way in with this over the next 10 years? That's yeah. kind of the decision and how I weighed it. And so decision made, we ended right. up taking the leap. Literally February 1st of 2022 was my last day. Okay. And February 4th of 2022, I got the just listed email for Daytona, Your Daytona property. Yeah. But you can't make it up. Four yeah. days after I get the just listed email, I download everything. I at this point before I leave, I know how I know what I'm doing. Right. I'm through it 18 times with Grant. It's just a right. different level. And so I'm like, all right, this is like the universe just saying this was meant for you. Right. The deal. I do the workup on it. I uh, I underwrite it. I get the debt quote. I get insurance. And then I found a partner, Ken, yep. um, on it. He was actually managing the property technically okay. uh, from, the books, from the book standpoint, but it was self-managed by the owner. So okay. they were doing the accounting. Yep. And I saw his name on the T12. I know him. And I'm like, hey, Ken, how you doing? At the time, he has equity raised from investors that he needs to place into assets. It's very yeah. tough at this time to find a hundred, one hundred and fifty, or two hundred unit deal to yeah. allocate the cash to. And so I bring this deal to his attention. It's too small that he doesn't even see it. Right, it's not worth his time. I bring it to him. He looks at the deal and he's like, "Man, I really could invest some equity in this deal. I could give you an opportunity, and then you can kind of be." It's not like I'm the main person running point on it, but like the headaches that come with the deal, yeah, um, I, it has to go through me to get to him. And so yeah. it's almost like a passive GP position. I was gonna say it's kind of like a passive co GP type of type. It, of exactly, thing. Yeah. exactly. It's too it's too small for him to show attention to, but it solved right. the problem in the meantime. So he's like, mm -hmm. all right, let's do it. I ended up finding the deal. Uh, we went under contract. The equity raise was all in, call it four million bucks, just to yep. keep it simple. Yep. His fund invested three. I raised a million bucks at the age of twenty-four for my first deal. No track record, nothing outside yeah. of just working for Grant. Yeah, and then uh, we closed it. And then that deal, like we closed it on a uh, five-year fixed loan. Yep, we were projecting four hundred dollars of upside over a five-year period. So taking it from a thousand to fourteen hundred. Yeah, we hit. 1400 the first lease that we took over and now we're at 1500 and we haven't done a thing to it you know what that's funny i remember watching because obviously we follow each other and and on on instagram and social media and i remember seeing your story post of some about that and i don't remember the exact timing of it but i remember seeing it i'm like this kid's good this kid's this kid knows what he's doing i, I mean i now let me ask you something um because i i, I want to i at 24 years old, 25 years old, you start your own private equity firm. Um, <laughs> how much, and that's, I mean, that, let's be honest, I'm 42 years old, right? I've been in this game for a little while. Even at this point, as big, you know, with, with 300 plus million in, in assets, um, you know, especially 2022 or the beginning of 2022, it was really hard to raise, to raise equity for deals. It was really hard. People's pockets were still very, very tight. So, 
at 24, 25, you coming into this new co new company, no track record. How much do you feel that your 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 experience uh, and your contacts with Grant and working for him played into you being able to raise that that one million that you had to specifically raise to get this deal done? I'd say a good portion of it. I'm not yeah. going to sit here and say like I at the time, you know, the double edged sword of it happening so quickly is because like today, a year and a couple months later, my equity pipeline is much bigger because sure. I've had the year long runway to to create right. four days after leaving. You don't really have that much time to create your own brand. Mm -hmm. So it's like the relationships that I started and probably nurtured for three to call it two to three years. And they just yep. became really good people. Right. Um, I had 13 investors. That, that's really what it was. I had a hundred person pipeline of people that I went to because I was going to networking events outside of just working the networking events yep. and trying to be like, okay, at some point in the future, I'm going to do my own deals. I right. knew that as soon as I got there. I didn't know when or how or what. Right. I just knew I'm going to start planting seeds with people that liked me for me. Yep. Now using Grant's name, 1000, like it's, you know, look at it like this. If you go and you work at Chase Bank, you now have Chase Bank on your resume. Absolutely. It doesn't necessarily qualify you as somebody that should be managing money. Right. It's just you're leveraging somebody else's brand to give you some sort of credibility or an advantage. And so I used that to my advantage. Hey, for the last three years, all I did was work on institutional transactions from 50 million up to $750 million at a time yep. being involved in the acquisition, the management and um, the exits of these deals. And so it's yep. like, I have this experience under somebody else's belt mm -hmm. and I know that, but I ended up structured, like the way that I set it up was for the investor. I used the experience from Grant. I said, okay, this is what I've done. Mm -hmm. It's under another person's hood. This is how I'm setting up this deal for uh, the the fund of it. And I set it up where the investors have to get paid before I get paid. And sure. so I set it up in such a- Preferred, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I did a pref with an 80-20 through and through. Yep. They get to stay in 80-20 forever, even after we refi or if we do refi and um, the promote doesn't drop. We close at 50- Even after they've been returned their, their initial yep. investment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do. That's I do. rich. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and I have to do that. But I get that. I, yeah. You, I'm right. aware of it. I'm 24, right. going 25. It's my first deal. I'm like, okay, this deal, the yep. way that I looked at it was like, okay, if I don't make any money from this deal, I'm completely okay because of doing the deal. I right. can use this as leverage to parlay into the second one, into the third one. So right. that's how I looked at it. And I was like, Let's make it so sweet for the investors. It's almost impossible for them to say no to the structure of the deal. And yeah. then the deal itself, like I was I was very confident about everything. I did every piece of due diligence, every piece of uh, sure. research on like the rents. Like I would have like a completed rent stack of every apartment complex and a one, three and a five mile radius. What yeah. class are they? Are they the brand new core stuff? And it's like, there was a thousand dollar gap between where the new class A stuff, brand new amenitized. Yeah. Starting at two thousand dollars for a two one, and then my average in place rent is a thousand and eight dollars. We're going to fourteen hundred, and yep. we're one mile away from each other. And so, painting that gap to investors was really important. Like they yep. had to believe more in the business plan. They had to believe so much in the business plan yep. to be okay making the investment with me. Sure. That's, they looked at me as a risk, and so yep. you have to sweeten the pot. Yeah, the upside has to be big enough, and you have to emphasize that enough that they, that they can't overlook that. Basically, yes. at that point, yeah, yeah. that that's phenomenal, man. I, I, 
I love seeing it, especially as, as someone at your age and, and to take that risk and to do that. So moving forward from there, um, talk to me about, give me like, what, what are your plans moving forward? What are your goals? Where do you want to be in, in, in one year, three years, five years? Like what, and what are you looking at now? What are you seeing in the marketplace? Yeah. So the big goal, the, the big goal is get to a billion bucks, a billion of AUM by the age of 30. I don't care if it happens by 31 or 32. It's more so of a target for me. Yep. I don't know where that came from. I think it was just like, okay, you know, I did this. Where do I want to be in five years? Let's that just be that, that be, that be, uh, that, that word that starts with the B is always kind of like the, the, the cherry yeah. that everyone well, in this, kind of reaches in this space, for. you know, you see people like, you know, they get the 500 million and then to a billion. It's like, I see what they're doing. It just took them five or 10 years from now. It's like, okay, well, how can I do that and compress the time period? Yeah. uh, We're the same. Like for us, if, if we hadn't, if COVID hadn't happened, 2020 hadn't happened for us uh, as a firm, um, we'd be at a billion dollars by now. But I firmly believe, and I'm looking at the numbers and I was looking at everything and how like the market just came to a screeching halt. And then you look at things continuing to kind of come to a halt as the market changes now. I believe that all of COVID uh, combined set us back five years easily. Yeah. With our growth, with our acquisitions, with our fundraising. Um, and, And it sucks, man. It really sucks. But all you can do is kind of put in place you know, for us, the biggest thing was coming out of that. And, and you know, you started your firm after it. And, yeah. and you know, but for us having to go through that and then coming out of it, we had to kind of pivot and adjust and make changes to make sure that we don't go through the hardships, not if, but when the government tries to pull that crap again and tries yeah. to put those rent moratoriums into place and tries to basically say, well, sorry, operators, you're screwed. The tenants have all the rights at this point, <clears throat> um, which... For us, and I'm sure you're the same way. I mean, you're investing in Florida. For us, it makes it even more important to make sure that we're investing in landlord-friendly states. Mm-hmm. Yep, landlord-friendly, growth-oriented, fundamentally strong. Like yep. where where a business is going, people like returns follow people. That's Absolutely. what I really like. Yep. That's what I found. Where people go, returns follow. Hundred uh, percent. A billion dollars by thirty. That's the big target. Honestly, okay. I've been I've I've gotten a little bit more micro oriented, really focused around the recession. I have no idea where when deals will pick up. Right. But I know when when it does, it will happen very quickly over yeah. a four or a six or maybe an eight quarter period. I am super hyper focused on buying as many good quality deals with broken balance sheets as possible. Yeah. Whether it's one deal, like if I find one. 136 unit deal for 20 million bucks. And I can, you know, it's worth 25 or 27 in my head. I'm like, okay, we're going to do that. And that, that alone will have the return impact that I want to the LPs to then leverage that track record into a 20 or 30 year business from now. So I'm focused on taking, because I've studied quite a few wealthier people, the people that are in this business, the, you know, the institutional size firms, a lot of these people that are individuals that created a company, not just a corporation, started in the SNL crisis. Like Barry, Barry Sterling got yes. in '97. Uh, yep. Pat Carroll got in 2008, and so they're getting in at such an attractive time to take advantage and then to create your track record around that for a 20 or 30 year runway. And yeah. so as things happen, I yeah. see that I'm like, 
this is a massive opportunity for me in 30 years from now. Make sure you take advantage of it. I, I love that because, you know, I, there, there's a saying, never let a good crisis go to waste, right? Uh, and, and really, you know, these are the times where you see so many other firms just kind of uh, tightening everything up. Like they're freezing, right? They're coming to a screeching halt because they don't know what to do. And those are the ones that are going to get left behind in, in this time when things really shift and open up for, for people like you and for us and other firms like us. When we look at these times as this is opportunity for us, this is this is time where we can double our growth, triple our growth. And it's actually one of the for us, it's one of the reasons why. And I want to ask you about this, this as well after I, I talk about it. It's one of the reasons why we started an institutional division um, is because. We see, and not only an institutional division, but a foreign institutional fund, right? So we're only we're only approaching foreign overseas investors that want to invest into U.S.-based real estate. Because here's the thing: we what we realize in our research is that foreign investors, Middle East investors, family offices, you know, European investors, they simply are looking for preservation of capital. They're not looking for as big and massive returns as either US-based institutions are or retail-based investors are, yeah. right? And so for us, and the awesome thing with them is, you know, we open up a $250 million fund or a $100 million fund like we have open now, you know, we're able to, we have $20 million into it already from 12, no, I'm sorry, 16 investors, right? So like your average investment amount goes goes much higher and you're able to take that and then you're able to buy much much better properties, nicer properties, more expensive properties that long term are going to appreciate more cash flow more etc. So that that leads me to a question and we have had a conversation about institutional via Instagram messages yes. before and we have and we're not going to talk about who we were talking about in <laughs> regards to institutional yeah. capital. Um, and why they can't raise institutional capital. Yeah. But do you see yourself going that route eventually? Or are you strictly saying, at least what you see in the fu near future, yeah. sticking with retail-oriented investors? Um, I do believe at some point I will go institutional. And that is why I will never not have a pref on my deal. Yeah. Uh, a lot of retail people can get away with it because retail investors just don't know the everyday, you know, sure. In, in industry standards. So it's a little bit of a gray area, questionable decisions. It is what it is. Um, I know at some point in the future, the way that I'm going to be judged or the way that an institution five years from now is going to decide on whether or not to give me $20 million is based on the decisions that I made prior to that five years. So five years today, uh, over the next five years. Yes. Right. Uh, if they see me trying to like take advantage of, you know, what are, whatever you want to call it, and not have a pref and just take and just ring the investors in my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's going to be looked at too uh too nicely. Right. It might be a little bit frowned upon. Right. Um, they're gonna look at it, they're gonna say, okay, he knows what he's doing, and he set up his his fund, his structure the certain way where he's winning from day one. Yeah. I don't want to partner with him. I know that happens on a daily basis. And so I'm setting up everything that I'm doing today with the five to 10 year version of myself in mind. That's that's how I operate just in general. Love it. I'm like, okay, whenever I make a decision today, I almost like, it's kind of freaky too. Like I have this perfectly clearly painted version of me five years from now or seven years from now. I don't know when it is, but he's up there. Right. And I'm like, okay, 
is this decision I'm making today, is it going to get me closer to that version or is it going to make me take a step back to get or uh, take me longer? Right. So that's how I make decisions. Yep. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, you're, 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 you're not looking at just at the right now and what you can get out of it. You're looking at the future and, and what that can, that can bring for you guys. Yeah. Um, so what we're going to wrap this up soon because I think we're coming up here in about 30 minutes. Yeah. We're, we're just shy of it. Um, what do you feel your, uh, like, what are your top tips for someone that's looking to get into real estate investing? Yeah. Like I know what I would tell someone, right. But for someone looking to yeah. get into real estate investing that doesn't have, that didn't have the, I guess, um, in years working under you had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but someone in the inner twenties that didn't have that in that, but knows real estate's a good investment that wants to start getting, wants to start investing into real estate. What are your, what, what, what would you tell them? One, uh, don't care about FOMO. Like for like a lot of people are going to say, and it's like the sales side of me wants to say, man, there's such a massive opportunity coming. You have to do it Right. right now i'm like it doesn't matter as long as you do at some point in your lifetime and you get into it it's going to take care of you your family your family's family and their family forever and so be okay taking enough time to get properly educated at the beginning that like i can't stress that enough i see a lot of people because the environment that i've been in the the organizations that i've been a part of the groups that i've been a part of invited to the the you know the mentality is go 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 you have to get in and do your first deal in three months go from zero to a thousand units in 12 months guys like it doesn't matter it yeah. doesn't matter that's really hard to do yeah that's and that's really hard to do especially it, as a new investor it is because you see all this like oh my goodness he went from zero to 12 or zero to a thousand in 12 months i'm like man now i put myself on a pedestal if i don't do the same thing i'm sucking and i look down at myself but like Look at again, look at the five or 10 year version of uh, of you from right now. And so biggest thing I could say is get educated. The best way to do it is just find somebody who you like and mesh with and believe in and uh, follow them and like look at what they're doing. What I've been doing recently, and it brings me back to the brokerage day, because this is all I would do to become in tune with the market. Is look at like you should know, even if you're not going to buy in your backyard. You should know every apartment complex in a one, three, and a five, even in your city, every single apartment complex, who owns it? When did they buy it? What did they buy it for? How many times have they refinanced it? And then see it, like physically see this business being done and like the millions and millions of dollars of profits and money you can make. It becomes so much more real if you see it. And you can see it without having to like, jump into a $50,000 mastermind and like right. learn that way. Right. Like it's okay if it doesn't happen immediately. Yeah. A lot of younger people have that mentality. Well, and I think, I think that lens, I think a lot of that comes back to, and I know you've heard me say it, the Instagram effect, right? It's, it's that it's the, it's the highlight reel of someone's life, right? Cause all you're going to see on, on social media from 99.9% of the people is the good stuff that's happening. They don't see the failures that happen. They don't see, you know, the deals that they lost, they don't see how many offers they had to put in. I mean, it's like you, right? You know, like you were talking about, you've been coming in second, third, fourth place on every single deal lately. And But people don't see that. All they're going to see is your next deal that you actually do win and get under contract and close on. Yeah. They don't know, they don't know what led up to that. And it's, it's, and, and, and to me, that's one of the, 
one of the things I hate about social media is it is a highlight reel. That's all people see is like the good snippets, you know, the the the, the sixty seconds that happened good that day for someone, and not the rest of the 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 twenty four hours in that day. Um, yeah. Fantastic, man. Well, I I'm gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I appreciate you hopping on with me. I loved hearing your story. Uh, I'm pumped for you. I, I know we've been chatting for a while. I love seeing the growth that you have going on. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see your growth moving forward, honestly, and and, and I'm pumped for you. And I, and I want to see you guys succeed and I want to see you hit that goal. Uh, why don't you tell our, our listeners and our viewers where they can find you if they want some more information, not only on uh, on you specifically, but your company? Yeah, so the me specifically on Instagram probably the most uh, at multifamily. That's pretty pretty easy to find. At easy one. Yep. <laughs> um, and then uh, gaybowling.com is kind of like the top of the funnel for everything that I do. You know, honestly, I spend a lot of the a lot of time with the people that come into the ecosystem. I try to set up a Zoom call with everybody and really get to know them. Yep. You know, if you're going to be an investor, we're going to talk about bowling capital. We're going to talk about the deals we're going after, and so. Getting to know everybody is a goal of mine, um, but it all typically starts at gaybowling.com or just a straight message on Instagram. Hey, you know, heard you on a podcast. Uh, heard you on a podcast. Let's set up a call. We'd love, love to meet you. Fantastic, man. Gabe, thanks for coming on, man. I uh, look forward to seeing your success in the future, man. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me.